It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the midweek edition prior to the Benetton game in association with Marty Rabbits, which is where we're recording this podcast. I'm here with William Davis. Alan, how are you doing? And Lily McKenzie. Afternoon. And you guys have just come back from the sports ground. Who are you talking to today, William? Uh, Andy Friend and uh, Caelan Blade. So let's hear what they had to tell us. Andy, it's the nitty-gritty part of the season now. Four games left in the Pro 14 and a quarter-final in Europe. It's, uh, everybody's mind must be really concentrated here. Yeah, I think everyone's uh, excited about what lies ahead. We've put ourselves in a position in both tournaments where we're there or thereabouts. Um, so, yeah, you know, we're in, a, we're in a healthy spot, but it's, a, it's now about delivering when it really matters, which is on, for this week on Friday night. Coming into this game on the back of a really big win against the Ospreys, they had a lot of stuff going on, but uh, Connacht really put a lot of pressure on them that day. You'd be looking for a similar type of performance because Benetton are flying. Yeah, they are flying. You know, I, um, we were just talking about it before. They're, they're sitting second in their pool. Um, they've put away a lot of good teams this year. They've probably been the, the quiet achievers. has been... Just, just ticking away with their wins. Uh, they've also got quality, though, um, in that Italian squad, so a lot of really good performers there. But I think Kieran Crowley and his coaches have done a great job with them, and there's a lot of good footballers there. Um, so they're going to be a handful this Friday night. Yeah, they've 10 wins. Probably should have been 11. They finished up drawing in Ulster. They've been very competitive. I think the last Italian game, they had 11 starters, or the game before last, 11 starters, four on the bench. It's... It's a big challenge. I mean, they used to come here with nothing to play for. They have a lot to play for here. They're, they need points as well. Yeah, they do need points. I mean, that's you know, the Leinster have cleaned out on that or cleared out on that pool, but but sitting in the in the second, third, fourth spot, it's quite tight. So they're definitely here to, to get wins. They're going to be a different challenge to us, um, you know, than, than what we probably experienced this year. Big physical men, uh, a lot of pace and a lot of speed out wide too. Uh, yeah, they're going to be a real handful, and uh, yeah, they're coming here to get the win. No doubt about that. Um, we're here to try and get the win as well. So, yeah, for every team now, at this this stage of the season, those wins become really crucial. What's the mindset of the organisation, coaches, players? Uh, what's are you trying to work out? What what's going to happen? This team might get four points, and we get four points. Or do you? Is it? Or is your focus singular? This game first, and then we move on. Yeah, it's, honestly, it's singular, and it has been for well, actually, for most of this year, we've we've just really focused on us and what we're either doing well and and reinforcing that with the players, or the areas that we feel like we could be better at, and trying to encourage ourselves to get there. Or if there's areas that have been really sloppy, we'd certainly highlight those. But it's been more of the former, you know. This this is what we're doing well, fellas. Let's keep doing that, and this is why it's working, and we're showing showing the examples as to why our defence is, is upsetting opposition or why our attack is pulling apart opposition or how our line-out or our scrum is, is dominating or we're winning the penalty count or whatever it is, you know, we're, we're really focusing on us. So, honestly, our message this, this week has all been about this is what we need to do in order to get the win against Treviso. Haven't really focused a lot on Treviso. We know what, what's coming there with us, big, big strong forwards and 
and speed out wide and we you know, must get bodies in front and all the rest of it but it's all about us and what we can do to control the game of rugby and, and as we've shown this year when we do that and we do it well we can knock off good sides What's the confidence level like? What, 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 what do you feel? What are you seeing from, from the players? What are you even seeing from the other coaches? How, how do you think things are balanced? I, I think it's really well balanced. I'm really pleased with where we're at. We're, not, we're certainly not cocky. We're certainly not uh, getting overexcited. Um, but there's just a steeliness about us at the moment, just getting our job done. Um, a very focused approach to, to, to our systems and what we know we need to do. Uh, and then just going about our job. You know, it's... Um, if we see something that's good we're calling it out if we see something that's not good we're calling that out and I think that's that's something that I, I think probably one of the best groups I've ever seen in doing that uh, from a coaching point or viewpoint down our leaders are really stepping up but all eyes are on this, this Friday night knowing that we've got a big job to do Players coming back from international duty it's been a very tough run for Ireland but that does that bring something into the squad is there part of it a realisation that there's a real structure in Irish rugby and these guys are getting a chance because they've played well yeah I think every player that's you know that's had the opportunity this year has earned that opportunity you look at you know the the, the new caps of Jack Cardi um you know, he's, he's our new cap um, but Tom Farrell having his chance up there in camp Caelan Blade having the chance up there in camp they've earned the right because of the way they've played this year uh, you know continue to see Kiramami in there comes back from injury has a great game and the Ospreys get straight back into that squad that's because he's trusted and he, and I thought both Kieran and Jack when they came on uh, did exceptionally well in that game limited time but they came on and they did very very well I thought Quinn when he came on was solid again Bundy, you know, as 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 a, as a starting player, there, you know what Bundy's going to give you. So, from a Connaught point of view, really proud of the way those young men went. Um, and I think, you know, for mine, they've earned the right this year in the way they've played rugby. And Quinn and Bundy not available this weekend. They've 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 hit their minutes targets, but they'll be probably coming back in for Europe. How is the rest of the squad health wise? Yeah, we're good. We actually are good. We, we've got 26 players over in Boston at the moment too, so we're stretched, but that's a real compliment to our, our medical and S&C staff. We, you know, we've had over 80% availability of players this year, which is phenomenal in a, in a pro sport like rugby. Um, yeah, it just means we're doing our, our loadings right, our management of players is right, and a little bit of luck involved with that too, but um, yeah, we're, we're in a healthy spot as a squad. Uh, Eagles play tomorrow night in Boston against Ulster. They'll be back on Friday afternoon. Uh, so we're stretched here with the numbers we've got, but um, uh, those that are here have got smiles in their faces and they're looking forward to this weekend. The under-20s Grand Slam, a few Connick boys involved in that as well. That's, that's good around, and I suppose some of those chaps might get an opportunity to step up, but maybe not this season. But that must be a fill-up as well, just for the overall structure that is Connacht yeah I think I thought it was a brilliant performance by that team you know we had Ambrose coaching there as well so a great compliment to him and, and the other coaches that were involved but um, yeah to have I thought you know Dylan Dylan Tinney Martin was, was probably one of the, the, the standout players of the whole tournament um, Niall Murray did very very well in his, his moments there we had Ryan Lomax there um, didn't get many minutes on the field but he was there or thereabouts and young Colin Riley to come in at the death there and do what he did to break that game open I thought was exceptional you know and, and there's a young bloke who um you know 24 hours before that he he wasn't even wasn't even a sniffer getting a chance in that game but 
he just chips away here. He does does the little things well, and uh, and that's what sport's all about. You you you, know, you you do the little things well, and when your chance comes, you got to be able to take it. And he took it, and I was stoked for him that he did that on the international stage, and 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 the try that he scored broke the deadlock, which will go down in history now as the one that got him the Grand Slam. Will Connacht take their chance on Friday night? Yeah, we will. We certainly will. We certainly won't won't uh, won't die wondering out there. So, yeah, there's a real energy around the group, and they know how important Friday night is. They know uh, what a great team that, that Treviso are, that Benetton are. Uh, we'll treat them with respect, but we're out there to win the game. Caelan, everybody's had their break. You're back now four games to go in the Pro 14, so it's uh, full steam ahead. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, it's exciting. Uh, to come back with four games left and, and be in the running to, to make playoffs and, and to potentially to win the tournament is where you, you want to be in the start of the year. So, yeah, I look really excited after a nice little break off and, yeah, ready to go. You came back into training on uh, Friday, but uh, I suppose it's in your head all the time, even when you're away. You know this is the real business part of the season. Yeah, definitely. Look, it was it was nice to get away, and it was nice to kind of get out of the sports ground and and kind of reflect on the season so far. But as you said, it's it's in the back of your mind. You, you know, as you said, there's four games left, and you, you potentially need to win four of them to get into a, into the the business end into the playoffs. So, yeah, look, it's at the back of our minds. But we're going to take it at Treviso this weekend, and and that's all that's on our mind at the moment. It's good that it's in your own hands. I mean, obviously, other sides can do you favors by beating teams, but you know that it's about winning and garnering points. Get your win first, see if you can pick up a bonus point. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, as you said it there, it's, it's all about winning first. Um, if, if we get a bonus point or, or if any points follow, that's a plus. But um, look, Treviso this weekend, it's going to be a tough game. I think they're, they're having their best season to date, I'd say. Um, uh, so, look, it's going to be a massive challenge, but I think at home with our home crowd, I think we'll be tough beat and, and we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, they've won 10 games this season and they've had uh, four away wins. They're, they really have been consistent throughout the season and obviously because they're in the other conference and it's just the way it falls. It's the only, the only time that we'll play them this season in Connacht. Yeah, um, look, I wouldn't mind going over playing them over there. It's been nice weather as well, but uh, no, look, yeah, they're coming over here and they're going to have nothing to lose coming over here. Um, I think they're sitting second in, in their conference and look, they need the points as well as much as we do but um, I think uh, I think we're going to be good at home here Does it change the mindset a little bit that you could win this match by a point and that's all you need It's you don't need to try to stop them getting a bonus point because when they're, when they're not directly up against you does that have any bearing on the way you approach a game? Uh, no, not for us uh, well not for me personally anyway um, it's all about it's all about us and it's all, all about winning the game I don't think we, we, we've really like focused too much on them or or we haven't really spoke about outcomes, whether if we're a point up or, or, or seven points up. So basically, we're, we're going for four points. And, and if, as you said a while ago, if, if we get the fifth, we'll be happy with that. But it's all about our performance first. Your own season's gone very well for you. You've played a lot of games, uh, playing with a lot of confidence. Jack's outside you. He's been doing well. You've both been involved with Ireland. Um, it's, it's been a really successful run, and now's an opportunity to cap it off. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, personally, it's been probably my favourite season for Connacht and, and probably my best season for Connacht. Um, so, 
to to end it uh, poorly would would be uh, would be poor. But uh, look, I have confidence. Jack has confidence, but we the whole team has confidence. Our coaches have confidence. So we just need to take it game by game. We're still in a we're still in a, in a pro fourteen, and we're still in a challenge cup. So there's everything to play for. There's no there's no uh, backseat. We're we're full throttle ahead for for the full season. And this is an opportunity uh, for the for the whole organisation. Is it key that? You have this in in your own hands. Um, that it's 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 quite simple. What's required? We've talked about the winning, but does that put extra pressure on you? That it's about that, especially being the home team this weekend. I mean, it's the first game back after the break. It's this is a must win. Yeah, it's a must win. But like you, you could look at the first game of the season. It's the same. It's the same outcome. You're going out to win. So I don't think there's any. There's too much pressure on us. I think. All about us, all about our outcome, or all about our performance first, and the outcome will follow. So I don't think there's there's extra pressure on us. Yeah, it is after a break, and yeah, we are at home, but they're all advantages to us. So we shouldn't be we shouldn't be afraid of anything. And it's a Friday night game. Hasn't been many of those this season. A special place this when it's going on a Friday night. So it could be rocking in here come uh, half seven. Yeah. Uh, well, every every home game this season has been. Um, look, it, it, you never know here. It could be it could be a calm night. It, it could be a windy night. It could be a rainy night. But Anthony that comes, the crowd will come with it. And, and if we have the crowd behind us and, and we're playing with confidence, I think it'll be a real good night. We would like to thank the Connacht Rugby Supporters Club, the Connacht Clan, for supporting the podcast. For the most detailed and informative travel news for away matches, check out connachtclan.com. Membership is only €10 Euro and includes a member's gift, exclusive merchandise and much more. Go to connachtclan.com and follow Connacht Clan on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook for all your supporting needs. So, Lindley, big game at the weekend against Treviso, a team who have not lost in 2019. It's, um, it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, it's an unusually tough one because most of the times that the Italian teams have come to the sports ground, you've always assumed or hoped that this is the box to tick. And this is a completely different situation when, when Benetton come here um, on Friday. You know, their, their record this season is incredible. They have knocked off some very strong teams, you know, not least Glasgow or Scarlets, Ulster, Edinburgh. Um, and you only have to look at the result over the Dragons, which was what, something like a 57-7 win. So, yes, it's, it, this, is, this is actually going to be probably one of the toughest matches in a long time. You know, they will. we don't know if they'll have their internationals coming back. They may decide to rest them. We don't know. But I think part of the difference with this um, Benetton side now is has been the recruitment of Kieran Crowley. He's made a huge difference. In fact, um, from from my understanding of it, he was their first professional coach that that Benetton ever brought in to the club to coach. And they seem to have changed their structures and they seem to have been slowly building up the support base. I think they get something like... They used to get something like 3,000 supporters. That's that's being expanded hugely. And now they're actually looking at, I think, a 5,000-seater, new 5,000-seater stadium to, to redo the stadium there. So they're definitely, they're definitely you know, on a high at the moment. And they will come here in second place in, in, in Conference B, come here knowing that they can, they can win if they play to potential. 
They certainly can, and they don't have a European game the following week, so they can probably play all their internationals. But it's not their internationals that have been doing the big things for them. Like the, I'm just looking at some of the, the stats here, and you've got Monte Ione is a top offloader in the league, joint top with Tom Farrell. Elisa Rituba's on 23, and Barbini's on 20. These guys are serious rugby team. Yeah, they've become that. I mean, look, they've won 10 games, and they should have got, they should have won in Ulster. They've just, they're very confident. Uh, they've, they've done well in the past here, but they've never quite got the deal done. They have won once, but I think they're coming with a different mindset now. It's worth noting their running is not that easy. They've connected away first, then they're away to Leinster, then they're home to Munster, and then they're away to Zebre. Now, you'd expect them to beat Zebre, but they probably need a win on Friday night to cement at least a top four position. And I think they'll come with that mindset. But I think this will be a big challenge. And I think it's good that it's a Friday night game. Looking forward to that. We've had a lot of Saturday rugby. And I think they need to, for next season, you need a mix. Don't mind having a mix, but it's just been too much Saturday rugby. Uh, I think it's a different crowd. You'll have a proper buzzy atmosphere up there. But I'm concerned about these guys. I think they're a good side. Italy, uh, not in the last international, but the one before last in the Six Nations. 11 starters from... Benetton and four on the bench that's uh, that's staggering so he's got a big job because he's going to have to juggle all these guys around but as you say the lack of a European game is a big advantage because he can go fully at this and then they stop again for a week they certainly do and, and so who are we going to get back or who are we not getting back from Ireland uh, well we're not having Bundy and, and or Quinn Roo so the other players are available Keenan Blade Tom Farrell Jack Carty Kieran Marmion so that an sorry an Alton Delane of course um, so yeah so which is understandable because presumably Quinn and and Bundy have, their loads have been you know more significant than the other players yeah so that'll that'll be a big boost so should be a big crowd should be a great night I know I know that I've seen an awful lot more interest in this game than I have done for the last two so it should be a massive night hopefully the weather holds up. Yeah, it should, uh, it should be huge. Uh, Gavin Thornbury is back. Robertson McCoy is back. Niadi Loken. Uh, David Horowitz uh, has had a scope on his knee and isn't available. Connor Fitzgerald, they're still working on his back. Uh, Sean O'Brien is having surgery, as we know. Craig Ronaldson is still very much towards the end of the season. And I think Killian Gallagher picked up a, a bit of a bang for a HIA fail in America with the Eagles. But I'm not sure if they'd be involved anyway because they're not back to Friday. So it's a very, very full squad available. They're a bit short of players to train with, I think, up there because there is 23 in America on, at the Cara Cup. But it's a pretty strong side. And um, I'd say a few of the Irish people have been around the Irish players have been around the Irish camp will be absolutely champing at the bit to, uh, to get out there now and start playing playing rugby and maybe a slightly uh, different atmosphere. Yeah, I'm not sure how many of those from Ireland will start. I know that talking to Andy Friend, he did suggest that they only came back so they missed yesterday's training, so they're only back today. So it it, it might look like that, you know, he'd, he'd proceed with maybe some of the players like Kyle Godwin still at out half, with maybe Jack coming off the bench. It just it just depends on how it goes, I think, he, uh, how he sees things playing out le- uh, later today. Wow, that'd be interesting. Kyle had a, had a good game the last day, but uh, I don't think he was put under any major pressure, and I'm not sure he'd get quite the freedom of the park against a, a much stronger Benetton team than, than the Ospreys were. There's only four games left in the season, um, for everybody in the in the Pro 14 season. So here's William with a breakdown of the run-ins for the teams in contention for the playoffs. 
let's look at Conference A first. Cardiff, home to the Scarlets, away to Munster, away to Connacht, and home to the Ospreys. Although that will be played at the Principality Stadium as part of Judgment Day, so technically a neutral venue. The Ospreys are home to the Dragons, away to the Cheetahs, away to the Kings, and then away to Cardiff. And Connacht are home to Benetton. They then on the 6th of April are away to Zebre with a kickoff time of 5.30pm. They're home to Cardiff on the 13th of April with a 3pm kickoff. That's a Saturday. And the final game of the season is away to Munster on the 27th of April with a kickoff time that is currently 7.35pm. But I understand that kickoff times might have to be altered on the final day so the teams aren't in a position of knowing what is required before they go into the game. Now, in Conference B, four teams are chasing three places. Treviso, well, they're away to Connacht, away to Leinster, home to Munster, and away to Zebra. Edinburgh's final four games are away to Leinster, home to the Scarlets, home to Ulster, away to Glasgow. The Scarlets are away to Cardiff, away to Edinburgh, home to Zebra, and then they're away to the Dragons, but that will be a neutral venue game. It's part of Judgment Day again. And Ulster, home to the Kings, away to Glasgow, away to Edinburgh, and home to Leinster. We'll talk about those fixtures in more detail as they come round in all of the midweek podcasts, but I think it's pretty clear that there's a lot to play for. So we're going to focus on Connacht at this stage with four games left. Their two biggest rivals will be the Ospreys and Cardiff, with the Cheetahs probably hanging around in a mathematical chance of getting through. But let's just talk about Connacht, William. You've got Treviso at home, Zebra away, Cardiff at home, Munster away. What do we need? Three wins, I think, does it. If you want to keep it purely under your control. Now, other teams can do, you know, the Scarlets could beat Cardiff. Munster could beat Cardiff. Cardiff could win those two games. So they're not going to spend much time thinking about that. They just need to win. They also just have to... They're talking about focusing on one game at a time, and I actually believe that. They'll just... They'll sort out this game, and they'll see exactly where they are after it. Um, Yeah, it's like this... It's four cup finals in a row, really, isn't it? Because each one leads to a chance to keep going for the rest of the season. So it's really like knockout. It's, It's just a knockout situation now at this stage. Yeah, particularly the sale game is, is, is an absolute knockout. But, I mean, if, if Connacht, say Connacht lo- lose on Friday and get nothing out of the game and Cardiff win, then the whole thing changes again mm. because Cardiff are ahead on points. Now you're chasing. Yeah. Um, so that's why winning, especially the first game of this sequence, is absolutely key for them. Uh, and I think they're very aware of that. It's a home game. They have two home, two away. They have an even split. Um, yeah, just just looking at our, our our last four games of the season, I did a little bit of checking on that. We have only ever once won more than two games in the in, well, sorry, we've only ever won more than two games in the last ten years once, and that was in two thousand eleven twelve. It wasn't even the championship winning season when we only won two of the last four. So it's a big ask. Well, we had that funny game in the championship season when we we went to Benetton yeah. and down tools in the last five minutes and lost. But funnily enough. In, in the heel of the hunt that actually might have been a good thing because I think it drove them on because um, they were well 
Pat Lamb was pretty angry about that, to be blunt. And I, but it's different now. I think it's a different setup. Um, these conferences are working. We were all a bit sceptical last season. Now they are working. You've, you've got so many teams in both conferences who are still playing for stuff. There's only really three teams completely out of it. Um, and that's what you want at this time of the season. That's what fans want. And it's what, to be blunt, it's what television wants. They want an, a real buzz around this competition. They certainly do. And look, at the moment, Ospreys are eight points behind us, Linley, but they've got the Dragons at home, which means they're probably going to get five points. Then they've got a trip to South Africa. And that first game against Cheetahs is going to really define the rest of their season. Yeah, well, first off, they've got a, 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 a Welsh derby against the Dragons. Now, they could expect, obviously, to to win that one. But you never know when it comes to Welsh derbies. And um, then, of course, they have to do their tour of South Africa and that's not easy for it that's not easy for anyone you know cheetahs and the kings um cheetahs definitely you know need that victory as well I think if they want to stay within touching distance of the semi-finals so there's a lot to play for there and of course then they have another Welsh derby of course against Cardiff so I mean and there's going to be a huge amount to play for there now I suppose it depends at the end of the day by the time they get to what Connett would have to be very careful of by the time that Ospreys get to that final match against Cardiff that they still have something to play for because if they don't then we're 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 looking you know and possibly unless we win all our matches we might be still you know going toe-to-toe with Cardiff it's a funny anomaly though if uh, the Cheetahs were to finish fourth they can't go into the European playoff because they can't play in Europe. So the Ospreys can actually get a playoff by finishing fifth. That's someone that needs to be fixed. They've got to get this fixed eventually because it means almost by default the Ospreys will get a shot at the Champions Cup. I wouldn't say I'd fancy them finishing fifth, taking on the team that finishes fourth, but it's an odd one that the South African sides really have to finish in the top three for a Pro 14 playoff, but they can, their, their European route is closed off. Well, it's a funny one, but I don't. I would dispute it because I think once upon a time Connor would be very glad of of taking up that position if a if a South African side was ahead of them and they got to a playoff situation. So I, I, I it might be slightly odd in the sense that you know the fourth place person doesn't qualify for the playoff, but I'd say um, the Pro 14 sides might. Yes, exactly. Fascinating stuff. We're going to keep track of this as it goes on uh, because it's going to break down week by week. Um, so. As the results come in and as the weeks roll on, we'll um, give you a little bit more information about who we might or might not be playing and where we might end up. So as usual, we're recording our podcast here in, in Murty Rabbits, the home of the Connacht clan, the Connacht Rugby Supporters Club. And last week, I caught up with licensee Kieran Hanley to talk about a little bit of the history of Murty's. Because this is the perfect spot, really, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, last stop yeah. out of the City Tours of Sports Ground first stop on the way back yeah yeah and you've done we're in the green room and you've, you've got some excellent photos and memorabilia it's, it's something that you know, the town have really brought into here as yeah well, i mean um bit by bit as as they came on board with us you know um they asked us to be be their designated pub and in the first year we did and year two then we went with uh went with the supporters wall here and we got over 400 images of away trips think about 150 made it on the wall sort of yeah, but it, it it gives them a sense of belonging as well you know what I mean they're a great bunch of fans you yeah, know what I mean yeah, even yeah. home matches away matches if there's a away match and it can be televised or streamed we do our best to try and show <laughs> show everything here like Marty's Marty's itself 
That's an interesting name, Marty Rabbit. Where, where does Marty come Marty, from? Well, Marty Rabbit was the licensee, but the, the history of the pub actually goes back to 1872 to Cormac O'Connor. And he was a 49er. He came back with gold from the San Francisco Gold Rush. Excellent. And he bought a flour mill on Key Street, and that actually burnt down. So he wow. had enough gold left over to buy the business here. And it was originally a, a public house and a greengrocer's. And you had the fair green directly across the road. And out the rear of the establishment, there was sheds where they kept livestock. So okay. if, you, if you drove your livestock into the mart, you could bring them in the back here, leave them there while, you, while you'd done your grocery shopping, and then you'd run them out the road <laughs> again. And there, there is one or two stories about that time, you know what I mean, whereby Cormac O'Connor, he was involved with the Galway Omnibus Company when the buses were horse-drawn, and right. the, the horses were kept out the back. A story about how there was a circus in town at one stage, and the, the animals were being kept in the rear of Murphy Rabbits, and... Uh, somebody wanted to see one of the elephants and the elephant ended up breaking out the gate and getting loose. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, they're, they're, it, it's amazing that the public is, has such history. Yeah. And there's so much colour. So, yeah. There's so much colour about it. And, and I believe there was, there was um, a volunteer in, in 1916. Oh, there was. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Joseph Howley hid out here when the Black and Tans were, were looking for him right. after the Easter Rising, and he hid out in one of the rooms, you know. <laughs> he was eventually captured and he was arrested, and he was actually assassinated in Dublin <gasps> in 1920. But we've had uh, William Henry and his historian here in Galway, and William has, has given us a lot about the history in the place. And even uh, as it passed down through generations, it passed on to Murtagh Rabbit, and then he was running it, and he used to bottle his own stout, and he used to bottle his own whiskies on site here. They'd so that's, that's the, in, in the in the newly renovated back, you've got a window with bottles on it. Because yeah. I noticed the Guinness sign had, had rabbits Bot- on it. Bottled by M.A. Rabbit Galway, yeah. That's, wow. you know, Guinness would send you down the stout, and you'd bottle it, and you'd stick the labels on the bottle. And they were telling me the way they used to get the label to stick on the bottle was milk. Milk. <laughs> Instead, you'd, you'd think it was glue, like, but yeah. that's that's yeah, yeah, milk. milk yeah. I, it, it really is amazing, and, and I assume you know having something like the Connacht Clan in here helps build that history. Again. Oh, exactly. It keeps, keeps it going. Yeah, 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 and especially with tourism and the way tourism has gone in Ireland. But we find with the away fans to come over. I mean, this season alone, I met two sale sharks fans, and the first thing they said was, "We're waiting for the draw every year, hoping we're going to get Connacht because we want to come to Galway." <laughs> The Eagles had a good win at the weekend on their uh, mini trip to America when they bet the New England Free Jacks 38 points to 7. Tries from O'Brien, Moylet, Lane and Balaski, as well as the Butler and a certain Robin Copeland got an excellent win for the, the Eagles who finished their tour with a game against Ulster A on Wednesday, March 20th at 11pm Irish time. Okay, we've been trying to avoid this for most of the podcast so far, but it wasn't the greatest weekend for um, either the women's or the men's Irish rugby team. Having said that, the under-20s had a Grand Slam win in Wales. That's some good news, William. Yeah, it certainly is. It's, uh, it was up in Colwyn Bay, where the Welsh Rugby Union apparently want to put a, uh, a regional professional team. It's... Uh, be a big challenge I think that is on many fronts starting with the ground which isn't perhaps the most tasteful but uh, great win for the under 20s put under a lot of pressure in that game didn't play well in the first half themselves but they kept at it kept going showed the spirit they've done all through the tournament and hopefully some of them will come through 
for the various provinces. Not all of them will become professional rugby players, but it's a great achievement. It's someone they'll be able to talk about for the rest of their lives. But they've played really good attacking, uh, open rugby and pretty fearless as well, right through. They did, and try scorers included Connacht's Dylan Tierney Martin and, and a brilliant try from Buccaneer scrum half Colin Riley, who, which basically broke the game open for Connacht. I don't think they were going to win it up until that try came in. No, Andy Friend spoke about that earlier on to me, and uh, they must be delighted to have the opportunity to have maybe some of these players around the academy, just around the whole organisation. Um, it's good to have winners in your setup. It certainly is. The ladies' team, before we get to the men, the women's team didn't do particularly well it hasn't been a particularly good season for the women's team but um the one bright spark from the one bright point from a conic point of view is that bevan parsons got her first start and scored a try and finally we come to the the men's team um again i'm going to go with the bright spark and that jack Carty got his first ever points for ireland when he kicked the conversion with the last kick of the game which was fantastic the other thing i had a quick check as I looked at our stats, because something was bothering me, I couldn't figure out what it was. Ireland have, or Connacht now have 10 players who have been capped for Ireland. Nine of them have a winning record with Ireland. Only one has a losing record, which is quite interesting. Show us where Ireland have been recently. Yeah, it, it does. And I mean, this is why I think the, the shock over this Six Nations. Um, they've lost the two key games, first game and the last game. And they've lost... It the same. Both games have been lost the same way. They've been bullied, beaten up at the breakdown area, and that's contributed to a lot of mistakes. They haven't been able to rectify it. Uh, against England, they give away a try after a minute, and against Wales, they give away a try after a minute, and that just puts you on the back foot. And doing that in Cardiff was catastrophic, really. I think the real frustration might be that they they played themselves back into the game in Cardiff a bit. Um, as they did against England like they got to, everyone forgets they went back in front they actually led England and still lost yeah well they didn't lead Wales because they, when they did get their chances they didn't take them and if it hadn't been for that last minute try they would have been nilled mm. uh, and Wales worked very hard in those last couple of minutes to try to achieve that so there's a lot to ponder for them uh, they've got a long time for the World Cup they've a lot of time to fix things but you, you don't know with, with, with sides. You don't know whether players have boiled over, whether they've started to slide down the other side of the mountain. How you get it going again is going to be a really interesting challenge. There's a, there's a big job on there for all the coaches, all the backroom staff, and the players. The players have to take responsibility as well. It's been great to see Connacht players involved right through uh, the Six Nations. I think maybe being on the periphery of that is actually better than being in the middle of it because it hasn't been a successful one and hopefully they will now kick on for the rest of their seasons because they're all, all the players have gone back to their provinces and they've all got a lot of rugby to play and a lot to play for They certainly do Linny, what do you think some of the Connacht players will have taken out of you? I think you were talking to Tom Farrell today, weren't you? Yeah, we were talking to Tom He's, I, th- I think Tom really enjoyed the experience he was saying he learnt so much in fact, he and he had to learn quickly and he had to think he's basically was talking about thinking faster on his feet um which was one of the you know the byproducts the pluses to come out of it i think that all those players who have been up there have you know have well one it's kind of said to those players and to the rest of connor players that you know if you perform if you perform then you will be rewarded and that's their reward the other thing is, it means that when they come back into into Connacht, they actually, I think, you know, they take 
more of a leadership role because they they have that experience in a different environment. And let's face it, whenever we go into any different environment, we're always learning. Some of it's difficult sometimes, and some of we come times we come back from something and we're absolutely delighted with ourselves, buzzing from it. You know, so every new experience for those Connacht players is is a good experience, whether they you know got capped or whether they didn't get capped. Um, for those who who did get capped, let's face it, you know delighted for, for Jack Carty um, put a lot of work in to get there um, and for everyone else who have who have was selected on the team um, I know that some people are of the mind that maybe that you know Carty and Marmion who has too often played only minor replacement roles for Ireland you know maybe deserve more time and maybe that maybe, maybe that time is coming yeah you would have thought so like you know, people seem to forget that Ireland bet New Zealand with Kieran Marmion at nine. I haven't been told that we couldn't win any game unless Conor Murray was playing. So the one thing I'm looking at is that Joe Schmidt came in with a reputation of, you know, nobody was too big to be knocked off the team. His first quote to O'Driscoll was, why didn't he catch a, a dodgy pass? You know, um, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore because Sexton and Murray get picked no matter what. And what message is that sending to everybody else? Yeah, I think that's a bit of an issue, and I think that's someone he has to confront. There's a few players there. I couldn't understand why Sean O'Brien haven't been dropped uh, for the game against France. I know an injury occurred, but why bring him back? You know, you've dropped him because his form's not right, and you bring him back. How is he going to get better in a week? And he didn't, and he was taken off after 50 minutes, and he looked very... He looked like a man walking off to me that knows that's it in a green jersey. And that's that can happen. And there's a few other players there who aren't performing. So it's it's very high level rugby and it's a few percentage points off and your game just slips away from you. Players can come back and they have time to rectify this. I think Ireland have got to find a different way of playing. I think there's far too much contact zone. I think it's too hard physically to be bashing and bashing. You've got to... Rugby seems to have become a lot more open. And if I know the game between England and Scotland on Saturday was absolutely bonkers. But if you want to see a player running a game, an open game, Henry Slade... What, the hands that that guy has are just phenomenal and how they could pick Ben Teo ahead of him is quite simply mind-boggling I'd agree and Finn Russell on the other side of the, the ball was, was something special as well didn't he what, what, you know, from your point of view what do you think is it, is it a case that other teams have caught up and realised how Ireland play and they just figured them out because it's not all just one sided the, the opposition are looking at us we were up there number two in the world so we got a lot more attention from opposition teams. I think it's a combination of reasons. I think, um, look, no one's questioning Joe Schmidt's ability to coach a team and, and to coach a team well and to coach a winning team. But I think Joe Schmidt, might, personally, I think he might be paying the price of loyalty to a group of players who maybe um, haven't been put under pressure from competition elsewhere. And I think the likes of... Um, you know that the the halfback pairing pairings probably are looking a little tired, and I think that players like Jack Carty or um, anyone else, so to speak, here in Marmion, possibly should have been given more time on the ball um, at different stages during the campaign, not this campaign, but previous campaigns. I think Joe, he is a very loyal person. He sticks to the to, to the players that he trusts and believes in to deliver, um, and that 
sometimes stops him, I think, from maybe widening the net, a net a little bit. And I think, you know, he's probably paying the price maybe for that. Yeah, and of course, from a always looking at things from a Connacht perspective, it was great to see Warren Gatland, who started his coaching career in Connacht, actually get a Grand Slam. He's, he's effectively... His third Grand Slam. His third Grand Slam. Um, he's effectively the best coach in modern rugby history with the, the results that he's got right across the board. Is that... Am I being generous or not? Certainly in the Northern Hemisphere. You know, he's been a successful club coach. He has navigated the minefield that is Welsh rugby. I think one of the pluses about Warren Gatland is that he has played at the highest level. And I think if you look at a lot of coaches, they haven't. And I think that's one of... Warren is respected by the players. Um, he tells it how it is. And I think maybe while that may not be understood or or liked outside of those rugby circles, within those circles, he is very well respected and he has the respect to the players. He does indeed. I think we'll leave the Six Nations there and finish off the podcast with, with William bringing us up to date with what the rest of the fixtures are in the Pro 14, as all of them are so important now as we come into the, the final run-in of the season. So here's William. All of these games on Friday, the 22nd of March, kick off at 7.35pm Irish time. Cardiff Blues versus Scarlets, Connacht versus Benetton, and Edinburgh versus Leinster. On Saturday, four games are down for decision. Ospreys versus Dragons at 3pm. Ulster versus the Southern Kings at 5.30pm. Glasgow Warriors versus the Cheetahs at 7.45pm and Munster versus Zebre at 7.45pm. Let's now have a look at the current positions in the tables. In Conference A, Glasgow lead on 61 points. Munster are second on 58. Connacht and Cardiff are joint third on 47. And the Ospreys are in fourth place on 39. In Conference B, the winner is a one-horse race. Leinster on 72 points have already qualified and have a home semi-final. It's very congested below that. Benetton are in second on 50 points. Ulster in third on 49. The Scarlets in fourth on 45. And Edinburgh are in fifth on 42. Exciting weekend of rugby coming up. The Connacht match kicks off at 7.35 and it will be on Galway Bay FM from 7.30 with Rob Murphy on commentary. So don't forget to tune in. And finally from us, you remember you can get us on Spotify or SoundCloud or Apple iTunes. So please listen in, tell your friends, um, like us, do whatever you can to help spread the news of the podcast. And um, yeah, we leave it there. Sad and confused Don't wait until